Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of the living word. Paul the Apostle is in a Roman Mamertine prison in a dungeon. It was dark, damp, most likely rat infested, and despite all of this, Paul is allowing the Spirit of God to influence his thoughts. Here we have clean sheets, air conditioning, and we walk in and say, I have it so tough. It's a life of self. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, after having finished a series in 1 Timothy, now you're back to give us the background for the second epistle to Timothy. In 2 Timothy, we have a whole different letter. It's still concerned about the church, but Paul the Apostle, in effect, is writing his last will and testament. He knows that he is going to be put to death very, very soon. And yet, in spite of all that, he has his love and concern, first of all, for the church and for Timothy, who is over the church of Ephesus. And though he had been abandoned by many, though he had been ill-treated by others, and though he was accused falsely, and he would be put to death unjustly, he rejoiced in the Lord. Here's a man in a Roman prison who had everything to complain about, every reason to ask God why, after all the faithful year of service, and yet he was not concerned about himself. In fact, he ends towards the end of chapter 4 there, thanking God that he had finished his course with joy. That was his prayer. He understood that his life had ended when he accepted Jesus Christ, and he was no longer his own. This is a simple principle that too many Christians have forgotten today. They declare they have died to themselves, and they keep on living, bringing greater hurt to their own lives because they're always the center of their life instead of Jesus Christ. That is the problem with the modern church today. Too many people are playing church rather than being the church. And it hurts them first, then the cause of Christ. And so, as you listen to the studies of 2 Timothy, listen very careful to the voice of Paul as he glorifies his Lord. And as you listen, please send us an email. Contact us. Let us know if these studies are helping you. May the Lord bless you. It really is a help to us when we hear from you, our listener friends, just how our program is a ministry to you. Well, perhaps as simple as a brief comment on which studies have strengthened your walk the most, or maybe given you a new perspective on an issue that you felt led to share with a non-believer. Now, you can simply send your email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or write us at Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Now, I'll be repeating those at the end of the broadcast, so we hope you'll stay tuned as we get today's study underway titled, Being Grateful to God. The Christian is said to have a new mind, different from the one prior to being in Christ. Now it is Christ-centered. It is identified as the mind of Christ, and the believer is commanded to put it on. Often, it's not an option, it's a command in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. The problem with this is not that we don't do enough thinking, but rather we do too much bad thinking instead of scriptural thinking. 
We're distracted by so many things that we don't align ourselves with the mind of God. And so we get caught up with our world rather than he's sitting on the throne. What a blessing it is to have the Holy Spirit of God to influence the thoughts and the mind of the Christian in order that God's will and his plans be worked out in the lives of individuals. That when those times come that it changes how I view people, what I think about people, how I value people. When the thoughts of anger might come or depression or, 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 or in bitterness, do I bring the, those thoughts in captivity? Do I, do I think of those things that are no? Do I say, Lord, I just thank you that you died for that sin. Lord, I thank you that you are more merciful than that. Lord, I thank you that you are able. Or do I run with those thoughts? That we would bring our body in subjection to him as well as our mind to prove what is that good and acceptable in the perfect will of God is Paul's conclusion to the Romans in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do I allow the spirit of God to move upon my mind and my heart? I make the choice. The natural tendency is to allow people, circumstances, and situations to dictate our thoughts, which affect our emotions, which dictate our feelings, which form our attitudes. And that's why I'm to think on those things that are good, noble, kind, so it is God that has the influence upon my mind. And for this very reason, we are to walk in the spirit that we not fulfill the desires of the flesh, Galatians 5.16. We live in tension. We live, we live in, a, in a warfare, a good warfare. We live in a battle zone. So we're to keep the armor on. Now notice that Paul is not complaining. Have you read 2 Timothy? This is the last will and testament. He's not complaining. He's not murmuring. He's not feeling sorry for himself. In fact, he portrays himself as a victor, a conqueror, by declaring that his departure was at hand. He had fought the good fight. He had finished his race. He had kept the faith. And he was looking forward to be crowned by the Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. There are many people in the church of Jesus Christ today that they are the epitome of their own thoughts. They are constantly... Oh, I, I, I don't like myself. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel good. I feel terrible. I this and that. And they're so full of themselves rather than allowing the Spirit of God to minister to their mind and to be used by God, they are thinking of themselves over and over and over again. It's a carnal life. It's a life of self. Think about it. Paul the Apostle is in a Roman Mamertine prison in a dungeon with a hole in the ceiling which they lowered the prisoner, and that was the only light that came in. It was dark, damp, most likely rat-infested, and despite all of this, Paul is allowing the Spirit of God to influence his thoughts. Here we have clean sheets, air conditioning, comfortable pews, and we walk in and say, I don't feel good. Really? I have it so tough. Now, I don't mean to make light about the difficulties of our life. I'm just trying to put them in perspective. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived at Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord granted him 
that he may find mercy in the Lord's day, so on and so forth. He didn't complain. He was thankful that this guy sought him out. Later on in chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, speaking of the gospel's imprisonment, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained or bound. It's interesting that Paul could have complained. Paul could have done many different things, but he didn't. And yet there, he speaks about his imprisonment, but not the word of God, the gospel. And so he wasn't caught up in himself. And so often what happens in our life, on whatever level it is, if we're not careful, then we grab our thoughts and we allow them to be dictated by our feelings, our emotions, by the world, by the enemy, by our own evil heart, rather than being sensitive to the Spirit of God that's trying to say, hey, 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 and trying to get our attention and we're, and we're not even sensitive to the Spirit of God. But by God, we go, we go to church. We carry our Bible. It's almost like Jesus in Revelation 3.10. I stand at the door and knock, huh? Let me in. We don't, we're not sensitive to him. Paul, he's in prison. What was he doing? He was singing to Timothy. Why? The Spirit of God is ministering to him. Hey, if anybody should get caught up in themselves, you're ready to die. Is that going to make death any better? Going to make your last hours better? Mm-mm. Interesting. Let me read here these verses. Three through five. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Paul expresses here his gratefulness to God for his influence over his thoughts regarding Timothy, and he does it in three ways. In verse 3, Paul's thoughts were to pray for Timothy. So by the thoughts to pray for Timothy. Secondly, in verse 4, Paul's thoughts were to yearn for Timothy. And then thirdly, in verse 5, Paul's thoughts were to acknowledge true faith in Timothy. This was all done by the work of the Spirit of God as Paul is in jail waiting to be executed. Pretty heavy when you put it in this context, huh? Notice Paul's thoughts. They were, first of all, to pray for Timothy in verse 3. Most commentators at this point declare that Paul is thanking God for Timothy. But if you read the passage, there is no evidence of that at all. The entire passage is one complete sentence in the Greek from verse 3 to verse 5. And when you move on to the following two verses, 6 and 7, those two verses imply, since God has recalled you to my mind so as not to be gripped by fear, so I am recalling to your mind to stir up the gift of God in you so you are not gripped by fear, but rather have a sound mind. Paul is putting himself as the example for Timothy. I'm ready to be executed. I could very easily be gripped with fear. And God's faithfulness brought you into my mind and laid you on my heart to pray. Wow. So you don't have to be gripped with fear. Is that heavy or what? 
The word thanks is the same word as for grace, charis, unmerited favor. But in the context, it is an expression of gratitude to God for the benefit and difference he has made in Paul's life. Are you aware of how much God has done in your life? Are you grateful? For the times of anxiety, the times of difficulty, and God's spirit was able to minister to you, and you recognize, and you yielded to it? Because it doesn't happen automatic. You have to yield. You have to receive it of the Lord. The sinful practice of thinking about self has been successfully overcome here, Paul says, by thinking about Timothy as he is in the Roman prison. So here Paul gives to us the secret of wherever we're at. Remember the Philippians said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So wherever I'm at, I'm there by appointment. In fact, that was one of the messages I preached in Philippians chapter 1. Because they were concerned about Paul being in prison. The gospel is done. That city said, listen, what are you guys doing? I said, I'm here by appointment. You know, some are preaching Christ out of contention. Hoping to add afflictions to my chains. Others, they're getting courage because they see me preach the gospel. He says, what do I care as long as Christ is preaching? By the way, the Praetorian Guard says, hi, many have been saved. Here by appointment. How interesting. And Paul is a constant example of that wherever he's at. Notice secondly, in verse 3, Paul recognized that his service of a pure conscience was the work of God as his forefathers. He's not someone special. He's just one of the many who have served God faithfully. So important. Because if we're not careful, we think that we are the special ones. We are the most loyal. We are different from all the others. Hopefully, we're following the very same faithfulness of those of the past. He doesn't exalt himself. The manner of service is specific kind. Notice he says, serve. And the word serve means to minister to, to either to gods or to men. And it is used alike of slaves and of freemen in the New Testament. In other words, to render religious service or homage, to worship, to perform sacred services, to offer up gifts, to worship God in the observance of the rites instituted for his worship as priest, to officiate, to discharge the sacred office. Paul saw himself as duty-bound, even as the priest of the Old Testament, to do everything according to as God has dictated. That's the service he gave. In fact, the Septuagint uses it for the worship of Israel for God in Exodus 23, 25, and later on in Deuteronomy and in Joshua. Notice the word is in the present tense. I am serving, ongoing. Listen, he's ready to be killed. He's going to be executed. He says, I am serving on an ongoing basis. In other words, he didn't think himself or consider himself done serving God until his head was off. He could have easily turned inward and say, that's it, I'm done. Okay, Timothy, take it over, you know. And boy, you know, I, nobody's been uh, sensitive to me. I've served the Lord heavy all these years and everybody's ran out of me, a bunch of quitters. That's not what he says. Paul uses it again when he speaks about the shipwreck that he was in. Remember that? And he told the people, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to be lost. No loss of life for an angel of, whom, of the God of whom I serve has appeared to me in Acts 27, 23. Paul was serving them in the storm, in the shipwreck, in the dungeon. You see, Paul saw himself committed going forward. 
All of these things were not distractions, but they were opportunities for God to minister unto him and to show him an example of what God can do through frail flesh. So that you and I, when we read this, we understand that there's nothing that you and I are ever going to go through that others haven't gone through, and that God is sufficient if I yield my body and my mind to him, and I'm sensitive to his spirit. So that I don't turn inward and I become the squeaky wheel of the church. Very important. Now, in the negative, the word is used also in the New Testament. God gave the people up to worship the host of heaven, Acts 7.42 says. So the context determined. In the, in the negative side, this word is used to worship the creation rather than the creator. In Romans 1.25, people serve the creature more than the creator, which is blessed forevermore. Notice the quality of service is of a pure kind. The word is katharos. This very word means clean as opposed to dirty. And later it came to be used for corn that had been winnowed and cleaned from all the shaft. And also of an army that had been purified of all cowards and undisciplined soldiers. And the only thing you had left was the first class fighting men. Interesting word. The word for conscience, you've studied it before. It speaks about knowledge that's with a man. If you know Spanish, conciencia, con, with, ciencia, science, knowledge. It's the same thing. So he's living up to the knowledge he possesses, pure. The conscience is one with the heart, without guilt, conviction. Never speaking about perfection because none of us are perfect, but we're pressing towards the mark. We're growing, we're maturing, we're getting better. The conscience that Paul is referring to is not natural moral conscience that Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. That is given to us at first, but we learn to callous it and to, to sear it and recalibrate it according to the social norms and everything of society. So when we come to Christ, we recalibrate our conscience according to the word of God. So he's speaking about that conscience that is in line with the word and the will of God. He's not even dealing with natural conscience at this point. Because prior to Christ, according to his conscience, he thought he was doing God's service by killing Christians. But when he realized that he was really doing a disservice against Christ, in fact, fighting against Christ, it struck him. And then he aligned his will and his mind with the word and the will of God. This is the one that he says he's pure in. Paul is saying that he served God with a committed conscience that witnessed to his diligence to live up to the knowledge and the truth he possessed. That's what he's talking about. Now remember, he's at the end of his life. He's been in the ministry for many years. In fact, often you will read in Paul, I call God to bear me witness. I speak the truth in Christ. I lie not. And so Paul's referring to the conscience that is held captive and bound to the word of God. Reaching its fullest potential, even as his forefathers. So Paul says, I am one of many. Many have preceded me. Many will follow me by the grace of God and the work of God. That is so good. So what he's making reference here, the forefathers, is the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, unto Jesus Christ. Those who have followed sincerely. 
He calls it a good conscience, agathos, perfect and kind, producing pleasure. And you know that if you live up to what you know to be true, then you live with a good conscience. You live with a conscience that's peaceful. You're not guilty. You're not bothered. You know, you know that you're pleasing God. Now notice thirdly that Paul recognized that it was God who was prompting him to pray for Timothy. Very important. He was impressed by God to pray for Timothy by bringing him to Paul's mind often. It was God who was doing that. It's so easy to take credit for the things that God is doing. We all begin humble, but as we move along, if we're not careful, as it becomes so natural for God to lead our lives and to direct our steps and our thoughts and do the things that he does by his empowerment, that pretty soon we forget that it is him and we start thinking that it's me. And then I start taking the credit. I start taking the glory. He prayed for him in supplication as an intercessor, knowing the ministry at Ephesus. Paul had been there. Paul had established that church. He knew the opposition. He knew the difficulties. He knew of the elders who had brought in false doctrine from within. He knew the tension that Timothy was under. The word for prayer has the basic idea of personal and specific needs. And in Scripture, it is only used for God always. The word is translated supplication in Philippians 4, 6. And when you use the word supplications, you're looking at a person and you have an image in your mind of someone pleading fervently, hopefully, expectantly, because the need is so great that you feel that that request would be the solution. He prayed for Timothy unceasing, night and day. Where's he at? The Marriott? Hmm. A waterbed? For the night? The reference is to unceasing, meaning that Paul prayed at all times and whenever he prayed at regular times. Constantly. And this word is used in Romans and Thessalonians and many other places. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. That's for us. There are certain people, there are certain things that I constantly pray for. On my desk, I have a calendar. And I have people's names. And when the month is over, I carry them over, the ones that do. And as I'm studying during the day, when I'm praying and I'm studying, I'm studying an attitude of prayer. And as people come in my mind, I lift them up to the Lord. There's times when I have for prayer, but I'm, I'm constantly, and, and I just lift them up. And when God brings those people, those things in my mind, then am, am I going to say, if it's someone I don't like, I go, oh, am I going to let them better me? Or am I going to say, okay, Lord, I'll pray for them? Or because they come into my mind, oh, that's Satan, that's not God. Oh, really? <laughs> you, you get where I'm going? You want a miserable life? Think of yourself. Get caught up with yourself. Oh, I'm so ugly. I don't look so good and I just feel terrible and I'm just miserable. Okay, let's get over it now. Let's look to Christ. God is sufficient for it. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with an encouragement for the followers of Christ to, in effect, bloom spiritually wherever you're planted, much like our example, the imprisoned Paul. Now, there's much more to this study that we'll be able to share on our next get-together. But if we can get a copy into your hands in the meantime, just get in touch and ask for the study titled, Being Grateful to God. They're available on CD for just $4. Now, again, that title, Being Grateful to God. Or simply mention today's date when writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address, too, when sending along your comments to Pastor Xavier regarding our broadcast ministry. Or, if email is more convenient, locate the Contact Us feature when logged on to our website, calvarychapelpasadena.com. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. In the good times and the bad times, does it make any difference to God when He wants to use us? Join Pastor Xavier Reese next time on Simple Truths for more from our study of 2 Timothy. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 